1: Thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. Please hit subscribe.
0: Hey, you guys. Welcome to The Ron and Don Show. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios, and you're listening to episode 451.
2: What is up, Ron and Don Nation?
0: Hey, coming up on The Ron and Don Show, we'll talk a little football. Brett Favre uh, is in the news. (laughs) Uh, Not for football, though. Will he be indicted on something? And also, you're not going to believe who's going into the Seahawks' ring of honor also want to talk a little bit about what just happened with an nba owner this really isn't about the nba it's about the workplace and the workspace and are things different for people in america when it comes to misogynistic comments when it comes to sexual advances when it comes to down to just being inappropriate uh would a player in the nba or somebody that worked for the Phoenix Suns, would they get fired for what we just found out their ownership leader did? And uh, you're not going to believe what the consequences are. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's get to uh, the enchantments,
2: huh? Yeah, so can you explain this to me? You sent me a text and some pictures where you said, I'm doing the enchantments. What, what I thought I knew of the enchantments is that it's a very, very, very very long series of trail hiking trails through the Pacific Northwest and people take days, weeks or longer to complete the enchantments. Am I wrong on that?
0: Yeah. Sometimes what people do is they mix up the wonderland trail, which is Mount Rainier. With, with the Enchantments, which is up near Leavenworth. So for instance, if you and I wanted to, we could get backpacks and we could basically hike around the base of, of Mount Rainier. They call it the Wonderland. And it, it, it's, it's about 93 miles. So I have friends that have gone and they've run it in three sections. Uh, so they'll run about 30 miles a day. There's other people that just hike it in the same way that you would hike the Pacific Coast, um, in the Pacific Coast Trail, And then there's other people that that will go, and they'll camp along the whole thing, and they'll walk the whole thing, and they may stay out there for a week to 10 days. Enchantments, basically out of Leavenworth, is an opportunity for you to climb up in something called the core, the Enchantments, the core. So there's about 7,000 feet. There's lots of vertical climbing. Climbing, ascending, descending, because you have to climb up into this core. Think about if you were climbing up into a volcano, for instance, and then you walk through the core, and then when you get to the other side, uh, there's about a seven-mile hike slash walk, uh, or you can run it like we did, coming back out of the core. In that core, there's about 600 mountain lakes, and you have never seen anything like it. It's like, or at least I haven't. It's like you always hear about the Grand Canyon, and then you go you and see it for yourself. It's different. Pictures can't do it justice. Same thing with the Tetons. When, when you see the Tetons uh, or you see parts of Yellowstone, pictures is beautiful, is, an, is amazing. The cameras and the pixels, the technology that we have today, when the human brain actually sees it, smells it, you're participating in it, uh, it's, it's mind-blowing. Same
2: thing with Yelm. Like, I've seen the pictures, yeah. but then once you... <laughs> Once you <laughs> stop there, you're like, oh, yeah, this is different than what I thought. Yeah, so anyway,
0: we were in Leavenworth. I went with my friend Liz, who is just a badass. I thought it'd be good to go with someone that's a nurse practitioner in case we had any issues up there because people do die in the enchantments sometimes because weather uh, can be very rough. And also, if you get off in the boondocks there... Uh, most of the time you don't have cell service, which means most of the time if something happens, you're going to have a hard time. And calling we in all an helicopter. know
2: your history of taking a wrong turn on the trail. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, we were up about four o'clock. This would be a, a couple weekends ago. And then, uh, we started our journey at five, 10 in the morning and you do a hike basically out to the first lake. And once you get to that lake, then you start bouldering and climbing Uh, and sometimes you're doing this with really big backpacks. We went with runners backpacks and then we also drank the water that was out of the rivers up there.
2: So time out. So, so most, what do most people do? How, how rare is this? What I'm saying you guys tried to do, or or, the attempt was to do the entire 20 plus miles in one go, correct?
0: Yeah. The reason you have to do it is because there's a lottery every year to camp up there. And there's a few camping spots. And the people that get them, uh, in fact, I was talking to Rachel Bell about this. I think she did this. So you,
2: you she got the lottery to camp.
0: Yeah, or you find somebody that has a lottery and you go camping with them. Uh, it's hard to win the lottery. And typically, you have to do it in February and March. Uh, and then you have this open window of about four months where you can climb the enchantments. Because otherwise, there's too much snow and ice up there. Uh, and all the bouldering that you have to do—you you go over thousands and thousands of rocks. So, and would boulders. you say of
2: all the people that do the enchantments, what percentage would do this of trying to doing what you did in one day? Is yeah, five like percent. Well, I,
0: I would say out of all the people that we saw up there, maybe ten percent of us were doing. Okay, so
2: ninety percent of the people are not crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, well,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, like, I, I, I
2: wouldn't do this. It's a
0: smaller percentage of uh, well, you you couldn't do this, right? You could you could not in your current state, it would kill you. I, and I'm not even joking. You no, know, I'm not. Uh, you'd have I, a heart attack and die. You I could, would not
2: could, could, pretend like I could do this. Yeah, Just going did, up to Lake I legs did not serene. see
0: anybody up there my age. I didn't see anyone. I didn't see a male or female. It, it's it's you know what I really love about mountaineering because it's always been you 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 know you look at the the John Muir Snowfield, right? It's cause he and Teddy Roosevelt were up there hiking and they said, Hey, what should we call this? Uh, it is really cool to see women now, uh, kind of, kind of take over mountaineering and, and, And doing some of this hard hiking, trail running, all of it. Like women really dominate and they're really great at it. So we saw a lot of Trail Sisters uh, up there. Anyway, there is something called Asgard. And you may have heard of Asgard in the Thor movies. And I was able to tell my son that, hey, I'm going to Asgard. And Asgard is about a three quarter uh, boulder field, three, three quarter mile boulder field. And it feels straight up. Uh, it takes about two and a half hours to get in there and climb those boulders. And then once you get into the top, you're into the core. And then things level out for a bit. And then as you descend back off the core, you certainly don't want to be out there when it's dark because uh, there's so many rocks. There's so many boulders. And there's a lot of places where you're on your hands and knees and you're just crawling. And if so you were, how if you were to, you... to fall off one of these boulders or some of these ledges... You you would die. That 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 would be it. So
2: double barrel question for me: How would you rank this on a scale of difficulty? Yeah. We'll start there, like zero to ten. Because uh, you've done for you've, me
0: or for for
2: you, you've climbed Rainier and done ultra marathon cycling. Like you've done a lot of physical exploits. Yeah. Where would what what is ten? What is the most difficult thing you've ever done, and where would this rank?
0: Yeah, I, I would say the most difficult thing is is you know multiple times riding my bike across America and even training for that uh, and doing that in a short period of time and running hundreds, riding hundreds and hundreds of miles a day.
2: So let's say that's 10. Yeah, that's 10. Where would this be?
0: Well, I put it at about a 7.5 maybe. Yeah. About a 7.5. And where would
2: Rainier summoning Rainier be?
0: Mm, when I went for me yeah. uh, because of my fear, because of the storm we were in, 27 of us went up, seven of us summited for for me, Rainier would would have been about a nine. So I, I would okay. say the ultramarathon cycling across America would be a ten. Rainier would be about a nine. This would be about seven point five. Here's the good news.
2: That's that's difficult then.
0: It's difficult. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's very difficult.
0: Yeah. If you if, if, if at least I could say this now. If somebody was saying, hey, I'm going to go because mountaineering is on a glacier, right? But I'm th- I'm I'm going to do some training. If you can go up and do the through hike. And you can do that up in the enchantments, and you can do that sub 15 hours, those t- that 21.6 miles, and do it sub 15. Then you would be in, in the kind of condition to climb right here. And then what it comes down to when you're up in Rainier, how do you feel about getting on a ladder and looking down? And as you're walking across, and you have your nightlight on, and you can see 300 feet down, and that's where you're going if you fall off that ladder, uh, that's different because it takes a little. It takes some courage and bravery as well. So,
2: and then the second part of my question, because my brain is not built this way, what is it that you are seeking to get? Is it the challenge? Is it that you enjoy the suffering? Because you know, I, I always heard, you know, read books and stories with, like Lance Armstrong. There's part of him that enjoyed the suffering. You know, the climbers of Tour de France. Is it? What is it that you? seek to get.
0: I told Liz, I said, Ron is going to ask me this question on the podcast, the question that you're just asking. And I, and I said, he would hate this unless you dropped him in on a helicopter. He could look around, take some pictures, have a snack and then, and then fly out in a helicopter again. He would love that. But the effort that it took to get up here and to go back down, I have to say there is something about pushing yourself to the edge and not falling off and doing something hard, doing hard things. This is one of the things that I had decided in Maui that I was going to do this year, but, but I've also become very careful. What I used to do is I, I would say I'm going to do something and then I would feel the pressure to do it. Cause I had already spoken it publicly and this time I didn't do this. Cause I, 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 wanted to say, are you really doing this for yourself? Or are you doing this so you can publicly talk about it and you can brag about it. Is your ego tied up? in the, and, and that's, it probably all is like, like, of, of course, course my is. ego is tied up in it. Yeah. The answer is yes. But, to all but
2: you things. derive a, a pleasure in a way, uh, not hedonistic pleasure, but some sort of, you, there, there's a derivative pleasure of saying, I want to do this hard thing. And if once I do the hard thing, that's the reward.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think of you like when you're traveling and you lay out everything on a table. I I did the same thing here. In fact, Liz was like, "Wow, you were really prepared for this," and and she's in the military, so she's always prepared. And and there's something about laying those things out. There's something about being 55 years old. I'm not in a midlife crisis, but it but to not see other 55-year-olds up there or maybe anyone in their 50s, to know that I I was maybe pushing the limits and the boundaries or maybe even push past those at the age of 55. When I did all that riding, I was 33, right? So it was a a couple decades ago. When I climbed Rainier, it was a decade ago. So knowing at 55 that I could train, because I didn't know how I was going to do, and I would get up every morning by at least 5 a.m. and be training for this. So to do all this training and then the culmination – you 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 can thrive, or you can survive. They say that warriors get up in the morning and they train harder in practice and they bleed more in practice, so that they can really enjoy the war.
2: <laughs> well, and this one's different. And, and
0: this one I really enjoyed. I did not suffer. I I thrived. I thrived. I wasn't just up there surviving. I, I my first bike race across America. I was, I was surviving. And then when I did it the second time and I went back, I, I thought, cause I knew how to train for it. When you're doing something and you've never done it before, I watch YouTube after YouTube after YouTube. And it was a lot of young people in their twenties that were going up there and they were getting absolutely smoked, uh, on the, in the enchantments. So at 55, geez, I, I, I wasn't sure if they're going to be calling a helicopter to get my ass out of there as well. But to answer your question, It's really taking this body that I have, and if I'm lucky, maybe I'm on planet earth for a couple more decades, doing something extraordinary and going to a place mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, that most humans don't go. And to be up there climbing right next to billy goats, uh, and to see the type of beauty that my mind has, has never seen only in history books, uh, it was it was mind blowing and it was and it was a life changing experience and I got to tell you those goats are badass
2: and they will kill you.
0: <laughs> so are the bears and cougars. <laughs> anyway you guys uh, check out the enchantments and just be if you're going to go up there and you're going to do it train really take the time train there's a lot of great uh, YouTube channels are, are you out giving there.
2: you give advice to our audience that no one is going to do the enchantments.
0: I don't know. I, th- I I think there's people out there that after they hear this, they'll they'll do this. I'll you know I'll finish with this story. When when I climbed Rainier, I went with a young man by the name of Jeff. Uh, and Jeff, we did the climb for Clean Air. He smoked two packs a day, and then he started training. And when we went up there, he was one of the seven that summited, and he had trained and trained and trained. At that point, he was still very overweight. Uh, Jeff now has beautiful family and two children. Uh, he's now a guide and he has summited Everest twice. Wow. And he was on my rope line. So it can be life-changing you guys. We will see you on the other side of this.
3: To say Andrea Mickelson's life is crazy is an understatement. And when it was time to sell her Sammamish home, she admits she was just overwhelmed.
1: There was no way that I could even begin to try to figure out what needed to be done. Andrea had heard all about how Ron and
3: Don do far more for their clients than other realtors. So she gave the guys a call. They immediately jumped in, advising her what she should consider doing, where to spend her money, and where not to bother to get the highest asking price possible.
1: It was absolute relief. I felt that they could take on all the stuff that I needed to have done.
3: The guys took over, leading a small army of experts who dramatically transformed her home inside and out. But Andrea admits even though the market's smoking hot, she worried a bit about how she'd do. Now, she didn't have to wait long after it went
1: live. So the first offer was 200000 over over the, the asking price.
3: And the offers kept coming. Andrea was blown away when they finally settled on a selling price.
1: They got $450,000 over the asking price. It was amazing.
3: Suffice it to say, Andrea is thrilled, and she hasn't stopped recommending Ron and Don to her friends and family since.
1: I'm Andrea Mickelson, and thanks to Ron and Don, I got way more for my door.
3: Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day.
0: All right, you guys. Welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. A couple football stories here. Well, the first one's really not about football, but it's about a former football player uh, who I actually really like. I like Brett Favre. I like the way that he played the game. I like how he humbly went back to Green Bay uh, after playing in Minnesota and the uh, for the Jets and a couple other I think he played for everyone in the NFL before he went back to, to Green Bay, and then he finally retired. Story coming out, though, story coming out here is really extraordinary. And, Ron, you live down in Mississippi near Brett Favre. What, what is this story? What's going on here? Because some people are accusing him uh, of taking money for speeches that he never gave. He paid some of that money back. And this is somehow connected to the state of Mississippi and welfare checks, right?
2: Yeah, so there's a, a welfare scandal going on and some text messages have been um, turned over that Brett Favre was involved in. And it was between him and a former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant. and And I mean... Brett Favre and the Favre family is kind of royalty in Mississippi, and and I had when you and I did radio in New Orleans, I had bought a place in Bay St. Louis, which is kind of like going from Seattle to Tacoma. Uh, you're technically going across a state line, but they just it, they have sandy beaches over there, and and where New Orleans was sort of bayou land, and so. Anyways, I had a house there, and maybe three or four miles up the road was the Farv compound, and so I would drive by it all the time. as was on the way to the hardware store, and it just had this huge, like the beautiful white fencing and pasture land and horses. There was an amazing chunk of land uh, pretty close to the beaches, and, and so everywhere you went, you would see – someone connected to Favre. There was Favre this and Favre that and stores and properties and businesses were people connected with FARV. So Brett was very tied in uh, and he would always go down there. So it looks like what they were trying to do is there was money set aside for welfare programs and Brett wanted to get $5 million of this money to build a volleyball complex at the school where one of his children goes to that school and is in the volleyball program and he's trying to divert this welfare money to build the volleyball school and so this text is now coming out which is bizarre to me because if you're brett Favre, take that energy and just go be brett Favre, and you could probably raise the volleyball complex money in two days if you just went out and said hey everybody I'm Brett, my kid goes to the school, let's build a new volleyball complex, and I'm I'm just making this up. I'm I don't know if that's true, but he has such pull in Mississippi. I doubt it would take him very long to to if you put his his name and likeness behind it to get that volleyball complex built.
0: That's a, that's a great point. I haven't thought about this. Um, after reading some of the text messages, one of the text messages he was concerned about or the the text message has revealed that he was concerned that the money would be traceable and also would the media find out? And the media has found out. In your opinion, has he done something criminal here? Should he be indicted? Or was he just a guy that, you know, wasn't paying attention, has a lot going on, and this is just another one of his side hustles and probably has 30 of these things going on at the same time?
2: I mean, I don't know enough about the case to, to definitively say yes, but it sure seems like there was intent to defraud there. Uh, if, you're, if you're preemptively trying to cover your tracks, you are, in essence, acknowledging that you know what you're about to do is shady at least and illegal at best. Uh, again, it's, it's the classic argument that I have for athletes going back decades as we talked about these stories. You already have the platform. You already, you know, when when Tiger Woods would go out and and be a philanderer everywhere, it's like, did you already were Tiger Woods, then just don't get married. Um, If you if this is the lifestyle you want, do the lifestyle. Just why are you doing the other thing? So same thing with Brett Favre here in a little bit of a different context. You're already Brett Favre in Mississippi. If you need if you're wanting don't steal money from the welfare recipients. Yeah, right. you your name like, go your, your,
0: your name has lots of leverage. Yeah, like yeah. you
2: know the upper crust of Mississippi and all along the Gulf South. Yeah. He he could probably make two phone calls and secure some momentum at least to to do whatever he wanted to. 5 million dollars to Brett Favre is not a is not an Mount Everest to climb.
0: Crazy thing is, when you look at the state of Louisiana, which is right next door, it seems like most of the politicians there have done time. The governors have certainly done time. They're all grifters. And, and many of them, after they get out of prison, have uh, bridges named after them.
2: <laughs> Do you think he should be indicted? <laughs>
0: of course he should. We will see you on the other side.
2: Hey, it's run Don here with Mitch.loans. His last name has now been changed to .loans. Hi, Mitch.
3: Hey, how's it going?
2: Should people be obsessing about interest rates? Like we, you, if you watch it day to day, it goes up, it goes down. It's It's gone up quite a bit in the last six months. Is that a good thing to fixate on if you want to jump in the real estate game?
3: You know, it isn't, it should not be something that's blocking you from buying a house for two reasons. One is that rates are supposed to go down in a year. Um, So buying a house now with a little less competition is a great thing and you can always refinance out into another loan.
2: This is the thing that is cracking up a little bit, like people were escalating over list price, sometimes by hundreds of thousands of dollars, but the interest rate was low. So the mentality seems to be, well, I'll pay 200 grand more, because my interest rate is under 3%, and yet I won't pay list price now because of my interest... So maybe I'm going to pay an extra couple thousand dollars instead of an extra couple... $200,000.
3: You're absolutely right. That is not the way to approach it. And no, you can still get some really good deals out there. And it is there are all sorts of creative ways to lower your rate. Now, there are different products we can help you with. And so no, now is a great time to buy. And it's great that you can finally make an offer with contingencies and, you know, have some power back.
2: All right. He's Mitch Weeks. You can get a hold of him at Mitch.loans. Uh, ask him about that Ron and Don deal. It's Mitch.loans.
0: All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, uh, just reach out. Someone just uh, reached out when we were uh, kind of taking that commercial break. Yeah, they
2: emailed me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, and they are interested in in selling a piece of property they have. And it starts with a sit-down, all right? We're going to sit down, make sure we're going to be a good team, uh, make sure we're all on the same page, pulling in the same direction, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use, and then answer a lot of questions because – most people don't do these type of transactions for this amount of money very often. And there's fees involved. There's lenders involved. There are different things that you can do. Don likes to call them different levers you can pull uh, to maximize value. Some people want to maximize speed. Like that's more important to them than value. So we want to meet with you, get a game plan together, execute that game plan and get you a great result.
0: Yeah. And you want to make sure too, that your agents are going to stay in flow. We're, we're today we're selling a piece of property and I'll let you know on a future broadcast, which one it was, but it, it's weird in real estate. You guys, no one was interested in this property. Now four different people are interested in this property, right? Cause we, here we are, we're going back to school. So it's picking up again for sellers. And, in in this particular place has been around for, you know, a month and a half and all, all of a sudden the kids go back And we have four people on it and want to buy it. So we're in flow now with all four realtors uh, trying to get the most amount of money that we can get for our sellers today. And that's our job is to fill up your piggy bank. Because for a lot of you, your home is your retirement. Your home is your biggest asset. And we go to war on that behalf and we, on your behalf, and we don't leave a dime or a dollar on the table. We want to make sure as you head toward retirement, uh, that you're ready to do so, knowing that, uh, yeah, that house has been a great place for you to stay, raise a family, but now it's time to downsize and take some of that money and maybe invest it in other places. sitdown.com Robert Sarver, uh, owner of the Phoenix Suns, has been kicked out of the league for a year, and he's been fined $10 million. He's worth about 8 hundred million dollars himself he owns a team that's worth probably 1.8 billion dollars although if he sold it i bet he could sell it for billions right so let's say that the guy is a billionaire first and foremost what's 10 million dollars to him and then people are also wondering like lebron james why did he get kicked out of the league well maybe he didn't hear what he did uh he had no problem using the n-word when he was talking with Uh, people that worked at the Phoenix Suns. In fact, they talked to over 100 people uh, that worked in the office or came in touch with him on a daily basis. And he was upset that NBA players could run up and down the court and they could use the N-word when they were smack talking, but he was upset that he couldn't use the word. And as he would have this discussion with people, he would use that word. And in fact, at one point, Uh, the gentleman who is African-American, who is the coach of the Phoenix Suns, said, you can't do that. And he did it again. And then he told him, You can't effing do that. You can't effing use that word. So not only did he use that word, but then we find out he was taking inappropriate pictures of his wife and handing those around the office. Lots of inappropriate jokes that were very misogynistic, uh, something that I used to hear a lot of on construction sites, and I don't hear it as much anymore, you guys, which is really interesting to me. Ron, your thoughts here, because Adam Silver, who runs the NBA, people have to understand, Adam works for these owners I think he would have loved, loved to get rid of Robert Sarver. LeBron James is almost demanding it. And if you go back 10 years ago when they had a problem with the L.A. Clippers owner.
2: Donald Sterling.
0: Yeah, don't forget what the players did. They said, we're going to go on strike until you get that guy out of the NBA. That hasn't happened yet in the NBA, but it could. Should it?
2: This one's interesting because Donald Sterling, there was audio tape of him uh using the n-word and talking in a derogatory manner and so far in this phoenix sun situation we do not have audio tape he is saying the owner of the suns is saying i was recounting what someone else said so i'm not so in, in other words it's the it's the rap music excuse if 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 biggie comes on and I say the N word while I'm singing along to a Biggie small song. I didn't really say the word. I was singing along to Biggie saying the word. And so that's his, his defense. Basically, I'm not using the N word. I'm saying, look, it's that so and so said the N word, but he said the word. Um, and we don't have audio tape of that. So if we had audio tape, I think it would be different. I, I agree with you that the $10 million is insignificant. That was the maximum allowed uh, under the, the, you know, the rules and bargaining agreement of the NBA that, that they maxed out what they are allowed to levy as a penalty. I, I think uh, I agree with you. I, I think that there should be a forced sale of the team. Uh, He is not a 100% owner of the Suns, so he does have partners in this deal. I would hope that they would pressure him to say, "We know you're the majority owner; you need to go." I think this same thing applies to Daniel Snyder in the NFL, the Washington Commanders. I think the uh, people in the NFL should say, "Daniel, you need to go." That there's a new era in professional sports, and these behaviors are no longer allowed. Um. So I, I would land on the side of saying, him and Daniel Snyder both need to go.
0: Yeah, what's really amazing, and you said that beautifully. Made great points, Ron. The thing that Adam Silver came out and said is basically, and then he tried to correct it, and he can't. Kind of in an unguarded moment, he's like, "Yeah, being a being an owner is different than being a player or working in the front office or working for one of these teams. If, if a player." Or in, and I don't know about a player. I don't know that a player would get fired over it. I I, I don't think they would.
2: And the uh, NBA, so, is, someone
0: in a front office, a management person would. I, I don't know that a player would get fired. And as far as an owner goes, owner, even calling them owners. Well, the NBA is
2: trying to move away and start calling them governors. Is that right? They're they're, they're, ah, they're and, owners. And at least they're making any effort. Yeah. They're they're trying to relabel that, which I think is is wise. Yeah.
0: All right, you guys, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to episode 451. If you need to get in touch with us, all you got to do is reach out.
2: Yeah, Ron at Ronadon.com. If you've been thinking of jumping in the game, either buyer, seller, investing in real estate, let's sit down, get a game plan, see if we'd be a good teammates, and uh, get you closer to your goals. Yeah.
0: Also, it's never been a better time to own Airbnb, short-term investments, long-term investors, yeah, I love dealing with buy-and-hold investors. So reach out to me, Don, at ronanddon.com. Everything at ronanddonsitdown.com. And we'll see you for episode 452. fifty-two. will be here before you know it. You're listening to The Ron and Don Show. Oh, Only! Now
1: Show. keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Oh, Only! Oh, Only. Only! Oh, Only. Only! Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.